Once again, the NCAA Softball Division I Championship is going to run through Norman, Oklahoma, the top overall seed uh, in the tournament. Sooner's favorite, heavy favorites, not only to advance to the Women's College World Series, but to hoist that trophy for a third consecutive season. We're going to completely break down where we are right now on that tournament and the regionals. Um, we've got true or false that's going to come up. And um, but we're going to start out first with some recruiting, just little, little nuggets here on football recruiting. What's up, everybody? This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us for 30, 45 minutes here on the on the podcast. Um, Oklahoma currently stands at six commitments. Number 26, 247 sports, number 26 overall class. Now, obviously, they're going to be adding substantially to this class. I think three names you still want to. You still want to keep note of uh, Joseph Jonah Ajonier, the defensive lineman, Bryant Wesco, wide receiver, and Zadavian Sims out of uh, Durant, Oklahoma, four-star defensive lineman. Now, a couple of notes here because if you follow recruiting, whether you follow it heavily or whether you're, you're moderate into it or whether you just see the tweets on Twitter and social media um, – You've probably heard that Bryant Wesco is not going to be at the Champion Barbecue. Um, and some people are using that as a reason to kind of raise an eyebrow. Some people are using that as a reason to hit the panic button. I, I think you definitely raise an eyebrow eyebrow about this, but I don't think you panic. Um, there, there's, there are lots of opportunities that he has already had being on campus at the University of Oklahoma. He is still a primary top target for them in that passing game. Um, and if you follow the, I mean, if you follow the experts, the guys who follow this way more than what I do, no one seems to be phased by this. This pretty much seems to be okay. Yeah. Bryant Wesco has been on campus at Oklahoma numerous times. Uh, his family wants him to take official visits elsewhere and really kind of get the full scope of what uh, what's out there and, and 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 again we've said this it's not original to me but I've said it because we went through it with my family with my son um, it's it's other people have said this you when you get to the level of athleticism be it football basketball track and field golf soccer softball whatever sport you're in you're in if you re- achieve that level where you get to make visits. I think you've earned that reward. I think you've earned that opportunity and you should enjoy that. I I think the student athlete should enjoy it first and foremost. And I think the parents should enjoy that. Some of my, I'm going old school on you now, you know, father time here, but some of my best memories as a dad with my son was taking him on those visits for recruiting. So I get it with Wesco. I get what he's wanting to do. Um, and I get it if, if, even if his family is saying, hey, go ahead and, and do as much as possible before you lock it down. Because we all know that once you commit to Brent Venables, everything shuts down. It is all over with at that point. Uh, he doesn't want you taking any more visits. He's not against you taking visits. He's just against you taking visits after you've committed to him. Uh, that Some people might look at that controversial, but the reality is – it is what it is. If you're committed, then you're committed. If you're not committed, we'll still recruit you. We'll still be in on you. We'll still contact you. We'll still follow you. 
but if you're committed to us, then everyone else is off limits. And so that's probably what's going on with Bryant Wesco. Uh, Zadavian Sims out of Durant, Oklahoma, he's going to be making his announcement on Saturday. Um, number two player from the state of Oklahoma, number 23 uh, defensive lineman nationally overall in this class, sit on 22 scholarship offers. It looks like it's down between Oklahoma and Michigan State for him. Now, all the Michigan State insiders, if you follow 247 Sports, all the guys who cover Michigan State, they're like, oh, yeah, he, they're, they're, they're actually throwing crystal ball predictions out there for him to go to Michigan State. Some of the local guys in Oklahoma City are throwing um, predictions out there that he's landing at Michigan State as well. I don't know. I, I don't know that that's true. Um, I don't know that I, I, I know enough. Uh, to stand in disagreement with it, but I would be shocked. Honestly, I'll be shocked if Saturday rolls around and uh, and Sims is not a member of this 2024 class. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll just have to kind of wait and see what rolls on with that. Um, we do have true or false coming up. A couple of uh, other uh, let me look through here. There's a couple of questions in there about football, but th- this episode's all about softball. I mean, it's it's about what Oklahoma's doing, what they have done, and what they will do. The Sooners, the number one overall seed, Oklahoma enters the Norman Region with a 51 and one record, 18 and 0 in the Big in Big 12 play. Now, in Big 12, I mean, that's kind of irrelevant at this point. The Sooners sweep through Big 12 play. They sweep through the the Big 12 postseason tournament. Um, so that doesn't matter anymore. They're, they're, they're Big 12 champs. They sweep that award. Uh, now what matters is what's happening on moving forward. And we have a post up at Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com, kind of going through some of the important numbers uh, for Oklahoma in terms of NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, like, uh, for example, uh, Oklahoma's going into this thing chasing Arizona and chasing UCLA. And they can catch them both. In fact, they can catch Arizona as soon as next weekend for the Super Regionals. Oklahoma's trying to tie and then surpass the longest winning streak in softball history. Uh, the Sooners already have the longest winning streak in program history after the Big 12 tournament. But they need to sweep through the regional and then win a couple in the Super Regional to pass Arizona. They're also chasing UCLA. Uh, the the Bruins are the only team to ever win back to back to back national titles. UCLA did that 1988, 1989, and 1990. Oklahoma has a chance to tie that record next month in the Women's College World Series. This is the fourth consecutive season Oklahoma has been the number one overall seed in the um, in the women's softball tournament. Um, it's also the number of national championships Oklahoma has won over the course of the last six seasons. Um, Oklahoma has uh, six total national champions 2000 2013 2016 2017 uh 2021 uh excuse me 2022 and 2023 no i'm 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 becoming a little bit of a uh, of a profit here 2021 and 2022 going for it again in 2023 uh 12th year in a row oklahoma has hosted a regional um Sooners have 15 total appearances in the Women's College World Series. If you think about it, 15 total appearances, they're they're gunning for championship number seven. That, that means almost a two-to-one ratio, meaning that they they win it ha- almost, almost to where they win it uh, half of the time. Um, the Sooners have been a, a, um, a national seed in this tournament 16 consecutive seasons. Uh, they've made the tournament 29 consecutive seasons. And as we said, uh, they're heading into this thing on a 43 game winning streak. So Oklahoma completely looking as the, the dominant team, uh, in this. Now they've, they've challengers here in the, in the Norman regional 
I think it's going to set up to be a fun regional. And obviously, Hofstra gets the end. They, they win their tournament. Hofstra, it's going to be a miracle for them not to be like, you know, uh, what the guys say, two in a barbecue. Uh, because they're they're coming into Norman, uh, the heavy underdog. They actually have a losing record on the season. But by being a conference champion, they get to come in to Norman where Missouri, Cal, and Oklahoma are all going to be waiting on them. Hofstra will play the Sooners at 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. That game's on ESPNU. Every other game on this tournament, or on this um, on this uh, regional is scheduled ESPN+. Plus. Now, some of that may change as things roll around. But this is a good field. I mean, it really is a good field. And we're going to go into this because there are, there are you know, Oklahoma's the number one overall seed, but there are a couple of other schools, obviously not the number one overall seed, who got, Pretty good lineups for their um, for their regionals, and you just kind of wonder, okay, well, how how for example, how does Alabama get Central Arkansas, Middle Tennessee State, and Long Island as the number five seed when Oklahoma gets Missouri, Cal, and Hofstra? That that doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but then again, the committee doesn't ask us um, our opinions. Now, Missouri, thirty four and twenty four on the season. They got the um, Alex Honnold kid, 414 batting average, 13 home runs, 46 RBIs. Uh, they got a couple of pitchers. Um, one of them, uh, Lauren Krings, 2.63 ERA, 140 strikeouts. Um, you go down to uh, Cal, uh, McKenna Smith, 352 batting average, 14 home runs on the season. Um, they and and they're, they're they're teams that have been proven. I mean, Cal, they've beaten UCLA, they've beaten Utah, they've beaten Stanford. Missouri has beaten a plethora of teams. By the way, Cal, Utah, Stanford are all hosting this weekend. So it's not just they ran through and beat a bunch of Pac-12 schools. They beat Pac-12 schools that are top eight seeds um, and and are hosting this weekend. Um, Excuse me, top 16 seeds and hosting this weekend. But then when you look at Missouri, they've beaten Northwestern from, from, you know, they've beaten Northwestern, they've beaten Florida, they've beaten Bama, they've beaten LSU, they've beaten Texas A&M, they've beaten Arkansas. They've run the gauntlet as well. And Missouri kind of comes into this thing a little bit hot. And that's what we're going to pick up in the next segment because I think the Tigers are going to be the team that probably makes the most noise in terms of pushing Oklahoma this weekend in the Norman Regional. Now, I'm not a guy who buys into the SEC bias just yet. Now, I know we're heading there uh, with with Oklahoma, but when you look at this Norman regional lineup, you've got Oklahoma playing Hofstra, and then you've got uh, then you've got Missouri and Cal uh, in that next game. So here, here's the way it's going to work: Friday, Oklahoma plays Hofstra, uh, and then after that, Missouri and Cal are going to play each other. Then on Saturday, the first game Saturday afternoon. You're you're gonna have um, you're gonna have the winners, Oklahoma, Missouri, Cal. They're gonna play each other, and then the losers are gonna play. The losers from Friday night are gonna play each other in the first elimination game. After that, the loser from game three, which will be the first game on Saturday, will play the winner of game four, which will be that first elimination game. And then as you go into Sunday, you basically have two teams left. The way this bracket stands up, it should be, it should be Cal and Oklahoma as the two teams left. But I'm, I'm really putting Missouri down here as my team that I think, I think Missouri beats Cal. I, I think the last two teams as we go into Sunday, the last two teams standing are going to be Oklahoma and Missouri. Now, when you look at how Missouri finished their season, 
They got a win. They they lost their they lost their series to Texas A&M and College Station. They won the second game eight to one over the Aggies. Uh, they took two of three from Arkansas. Um, Arkansas is hosting a regional. You go into the the tournament and uh, and they they beat Mississippi State, finally losing to Alabama uh, and getting bounced out of that tournament uh, before they head now to the Norman Regional. This is a team that their overall record. You look at it on paper, and you're thinking, okay, wait a minute. So, Matt, you're you're picking a team that's 34 and 24 on the season, seven and 17 in SEC play, and you're picking them to be the team that's left standing with Oklahoma, as opposed to a California team that's 33 and 19 on the season. And the answer to this question is is yes, yes, I am. And and we have to we have to admit one or two things here when we're talking about Missouri, either a Either A, the SEC is not as good as everyone as everyone points out for it to be, or B, Missouri held their own in, in, in the SEC, and they walked away, not, not unscathed, but they walked away having made some noise. And I, I subscribe to number two. I think the SEC is a good conference. I think it's probably the best conference in softball. It doesn't have the best team. That's Oklahoma. But when you look at the heavyweights of the SEC, when you look at the Alabamas, you look at the Floridas, you look at the LSUs, those teams are as dominant in their conference as Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State traditionally are in the Big 12. And so when you, when you stack it, the number of SEC programs that are in this tournament the number of Pac-12 programs that are in this tournament and the number of Big 12 programs that are in this tournament, you really see the SEC begin to separate itself and in, in the, in, in the, not, not in what's at the top, because at the top, I believe it's Oklahoma, Florida State, and then you can throw UCLA and Tennessee in there. That's at the top. Top four teams, in my opinion, Oklahoma, Florida State, UCLA, Tennessee. That's one from each of the four Top conferences, you know, obviously there's five power fives, but you got Oklahoma Big 12, you got uh, Florida State ACC, you got UCLA Pac-12, and you got Tennessee coming out of the SEC. Those are my top four. But it's not always at the top because Big 12 with Oklahoma, clearly they've got the top. But what about going down? Because in the Big 12, you end at four. You've got Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. And really, when you look at the way this seeding worked out for this tournament, they don't agree with Texas being the number two team in the Big 12, which completely blows my mind. And we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But you've got four. You stop, Your depth stops at number four in the Big 12. You get way below that in the SEC. And so I think the SEC, the depth of the SEC, the depth of the SEC, it's pretty good. You know, in, in the Big 12, in all sports, all conferences in all sports, you have those layups, right? If you're one of the top teams in the conference, uh, going to Lawrence, Kansas in softball should be a layup. You have fewer of those opportunities in the SEC. And so what I think I think Missouri's record is a little bit skewed. I, and again, I could be, I mean, we could get to Sunday and you guys would be like, man, you, and I come back after the, after the regional and you guys be like, yeah, dude, you had no idea what you're talking about. Could be, could be, but this is a team that their batting average is as a team, 267. 
they've got two players batting over 300. They got uh, Jenna Laird, 340. Um, the Harnold kid that I talked about, 414. Uh, 13 home runs for Harnold. Um, they, they, they have, as a team, they've got 47 home runs. They've got 633 total bases. They have 268 RBI. I think they beat Cal. I think it, what it's going to, I mean, I, I, Hofstra in Oklahoma is a formality. The question is, who's waiting for Oklahoma on Saturday? And, and I, I think this is a, honestly, I think this is a, between these two schools, I think it could be a situation where, for example, Missouri beats Cal or Cal beats Missouri on Friday, either way. And then you go and you play Oklahoma on Saturday and you lose. Well, they're going to, Missouri and Cal are going to play each other twice this weekend. That's the way this, this shapes out for me. So even if Cal wins Friday, I'm I'm not moving away from this. Even if Cal beats Missouri on Friday, I'm not moving away from this. Because they're going to have to beat Missouri twice. Missouri's going to have to beat Cal twice. Uh, again, Hofstra, their congratulations. Here's your participation trophy. Great season, great great conference tournament win. But at the end of the day, you're number four in this regional by a long shot. But so that means Missouri and Cal, they're going to play each other twice. And then who does OU play twice? Well, we'll find out on Saturday night. But I, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to beat a, a dead horse here. Um, but clearly, clearly the, um, this is going to be Missouri and Cal to, to contend for Oklahoma. And I got Missouri coming out of that. There, there were some interesting things that the committee got wrong, in my opinion. We already talked about Alabama. Alabama is a number five national seed. I don't get that. If you follow college softball, you don't get it either. But it's not just that they are the number five national seed. It's that they're the number five national seed with Central Arkansas, Middle Tennessee State, and Long Island. Now, there was a lot of there are a lot of people out there who follow this sport that are prognosticating Central Arkansas comes out of the Tuscaloosa Regional. That they, that they they are going to beat Alabama, and and that's that is very very attainable. Because Alabama ha- they they've barely looked the part of the traditional power in college softball. They've barely looked that part. Then you got the injury to Montana Fouts hanging over your head. I don't know what her health status is. I don't think anybody outside of that locker room really knows her health status. And the fact that they would be rewarded with a, a number five seed. Uh, national seed, and then rewarded again with this field. I mean, look, look, if you're if you're Alabama, honestly, you're the number five seed nationally, and you say, hey, Alabama, you got Central Arkansas, Middle Tennessee State, and Long Island, but what we'll do is we'll trade you for the number one overall seed. We'll trade you for their field. Would you rather take the field of the number one overall seed, which is supposed to be? It's supposed to be the easiest field in the entire tournament. This Norman Regional, uh, when you look at the the breakdown, the number one overall seed is supposed to have the easiest field. Alabama would not trade you Central Arkansas, Middle Tennessee State, and Long Island. They would not trade you for a Missouri, Cal, and Hofstra any day, any time. They would be like, no thanks, we'll keep what we've got. 
And I'm not whining. I'm not complaining. I'm just questioning. Because this field for Oklahoma doesn't scare me. I think it's mildly challenging, which is what you want, because you're going to come on the other side of that, and you're going to play the, the winner of the, of the Clemson Regional in, in the Supers. So you want to be pushed. You want to be challenged if you're Patty Gasso. And I think there, there's, there are players here that can do that. I'm just questioning what's happening here with Alabama at number five. I've got an answer to that that I'm going to give you here in just a little bit. But a couple of other areas concerning the Big 12 where I believe the committee messed up. How does Oklahoma State get a number six seed and Texas at number 13? Oklahoma State is the number six national seed. Texas is the number 13 national seed. You're probably going to remember that Oklahoma State was swept by Texas. That Texas finished number two in the Big 12. Oklahoma State finished number three in the Big 12. Texas made it to the championship game of the Big 12 tournament, Oklahoma State was bounced by Kansas, who I just made fun of three minutes ago. I don't I don't spend a lot of time defending the honor of Texas, and I'm not going to start. I'm just questioning the logic of this bracket. I mean, I I don't I don't there there I in my opinion, my unbiased opinion, I think there's an agenda here that this committee wants. For example, you've got a couple of really good matchups in those regionals. You've got Texas and Texas A&M in the same regional. Those two, those two institutions, forget programs, forget athletic departments. Those two institutions hate each other. They hate each other. Then you've got Oklahoma State and Wichita State in the same regional. And by the way, the Shockers, they beat Oklahoma State twice this year. I don't know that both of those schools survive the regional. One of them might. I, If I had to bet, I would say that one of them won't. And I think it's Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State softball is in a bad spot right now. Is it like what's like? 11 of their last 13 games they've lost. And two of those were to Wichita State. Well, Wichita State lost to Tulsa in the tournament. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But they also beat Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's coming off of a loss to Kansas. But yeah, yeah, they were rewarded with a number six national seed. Here's what that means. As a school that's, that's entering the postseason on a losing streak that got bounced in the first game of the conference tournament by the next to the last team, that school, if they win their regional, they get to host a super regional. Meanwhile, the team that the, the team that made it to the championship of the conference tournament, they got to go on the road for the supers, most likely. That again doesn't make sense. I'm all for it. I'll be I'll be cheering for the Aggies to beat Texas. I really will. Uh, because I, I, you know, you know me. Texas runs hate for Texas runs in my blood. But I, I think there's that when you look at when you break this bracket down, and you look at the challengers in the bracket, I, I think there are the real challengers, and then there are the challengers that television wants to be there. And I think when we look at those, when we look at those real challengers, and then the challengers that television wants to be there, that's where we begin 
to really have an understanding on the makeup of this bracket. And that's what we're going to get into next. Okay, so let's talk about challengers. Who's going to challenge Oklahoma in this tournament? So here, here are your regional host schools. Obviously, you've got Oklahoma. Then there's UCLA, Florida State, Tennessee, Alabama, Oklahoma State, Washington, Duke, Clemson, Utah, Georgia, Stanford. Those aren't all in particular order, but they're close. Oklahoma is going to play the the Oklahoma regional winner winner will play the winner of the Clemson regional. UCLA will play the winner of the Utah regional. I hope that's UCLA and Utah because I think that'll be a fantastic super regional. Florida State winner is going to get their Georgia winner. Tennessee gets the Texas winner. Again, that would be a fantastic super regional if Texas were to make it out. Alabama is going to get the Northwestern winner. Uh, you see a little bit of a of an advantage there for Alabama. We'll come back to that. Oklahoma State's going to get the Arkansas Regional. Again, I think a fun super regional if it were those two schools. The winner of the Washington Regional is going to get the LSU Regional winner. And then Duke is going to get the Stanford winner. So everyone's trying. They're trying to prop up UCLA as this, this top, program to contend against Oklahoma. Now we've already seen the Bruins and the Sooners play each other. I would, I would contend that we've seen how, how close these two programs are not to each other. Now, now granted things can change. You look at Oklahoma and Baylor bears beat the Sooners early in the season, back in February, Oklahoma is able to come back, sweep that series um, and, and ride this 43 game winning streak. So we we get that. All right, we get that. But I don't know that UCLA is the contender that television wants them to be. I, I think the true contender for the University of Oklahoma is going to be Florida State. Now, they've got Marist, South Carolina, and Central Florida at their regional. UCLA has got Grand Canyon, Liberty, and San Diego State. But I, I think Florida State, I, I think that's the team that we need to keep an eye on. And we've already seen these two schools play each other in, in the women's college world series championship. We've already seen it. We've been there. We've done that. And I think we're in a collision course for that again, but I think Tennessee is a player here as well. They've got Indiana, Louisville and Northern Kentucky. So all three of these schools, UCLA, Florida state, Tennessee, they should be heavy favorites, heavy favorites to come out of their regional. But then you want you want the good matchups, not just for the regional. You want the good matchups for the super regional. And there's two there's two things that make good matchups in the super regional. Those two things are this: they're upsets. Everyone loves Cinderella, right? Everyone loves Cinderella, and we've seen Cinderella. Cinderella kind of jumped up and bit Oklahoma last year. In the, in the Women's College World Series and that, and that opener, and the Sooners are able to bounce back and, and, and win the national championship. But everyone loves Cinderella, and that's one way you draw in eyeballs to your second round, your, your super regional round. But the other thing that you do is you put powerhouse names in those regionals, and just because they're powerhouse names, 
eyeballs are going to tune in and seats are going to get sold. And because we're an Oklahoma podcast, we use Oklahoma as a great example of this. Oklahoma played, they tried, Patty Gasso tried really, really hard to get a hostile road environment. Couldn't really happen. They, they went to Miami of Ohio to try to get away from Sooner Nation, and they played in front of pro Sooner crowds in Miami of Ohio. It is a program that people buy tickets to. They want to see them play, and nationally they've built a fan base. Alabama's the same way. UCLA's the same way. LSU's the same way. And so if you get those teams to advance, you get eyeballs, you get ticket sales. Now, remember what I said earlier. Alabama has Central Arkansas, Middle Tennessee State, and Long Island. Central Arkansas will be their top, their top competition at the Tuscaloosa Regional. But Duke, Duke has George Mason, Charlotte, and Campbell. LSU has Louisiana, Omaha, Prairie View A&M. These are relatively easy draws. I mean, these these are draws that are going to make them heavy favorites to get into the Super Regional round. And not just get there, but in Alabama's case, become a host. In Duke's case, become a host. In LSU's case, I don't think they host, but yeah, they would host. But here's the point. It's a win-win. Because if Alabama beats Central Arkansas and they advance to the Super Regional round and they host whoever comes out of the Northwestern Regional, then what's happened is you got all the eyeballs for the Alabama program. Without Montana Fouts or with Montana Fouts, that program, the people are going to want to know what's going to happen to Alabama. But, but, hold up. If Central Arkansas beats Alabama, then what happens next is eyeballs jump in here because suddenly you have a Cinderella. If Louisiana beats LSU and Baton Rouge, suddenly you have Cinderella. George Mason or Charlotte, if they beat Duke, guess what? You got Cinderella. So it's a win-win situation. When you're looking at contenders for this tournament, you've got a team that is 51-1 as the overall seed, the number, the heavy favorite, not just to win, not just to make it to the Women's College World Series, but to win the whole thing. You gotta have drama somewhere else. So what do you do? You prop up some schools that probably don't deserve a number five seed, and then you give them a field that either allows them to advance to the Supers or allows Cinderella to come through. Because Central Arkansas, truthfully, at this point, if Montana Fouts cannot go, Central Arkansas most likely at this point is a better softball program, a better team, not program, a better team than Alabama. But, If you're Central Arkansas and you knock off, I don't know, a number eight seed, that doesn't carry the same weight as knocking off a number five seed. And that's that's where that's where they that's the opportunity that's in front of them. I mean, and and you look at you look at 
what they want out of this whole thing is they want drama. They want ratings. ESPN owns this tournament. This whole tournament, every single game from from Friday's first pitch, wherever that may be, to the first pitch of the championship series of the Women's College World Series, every game is produced by ESPN. They are the heaviest voice in the room when it comes to setting this bracket and and making the matchups. This thing is owned and operated by television. And so when you look at Alabama, you, you look at Duke, you look at LSU, and you think there's not a single school from a power five conference that's going to compete with these regional hosts. Whereas Oklahoma has two pretty decent ones. Well, why is that? Well, the drama is not going to be for Oklahoma unless you can get someone in there to challenge them. If Oklahoma hosts George Mason, Charlotte and Campbell, then it's a ho-hum tournament that no one outside of the Norman and Sooner State area tune into. But everybody knows Central Arkansas has got a fighting chance against Alabama. They'll be tuning in. And so that that's why you you have that. And so that's gonna that's immediately gonna probably raise the uh, the the opportunity for these powerhouse names to jump into that next round of the super regionals. So you got Oklahoma, if they advance to the Norman Regional, which they should. Super Regional, they're looking at UNC, Greensboro, Clemson, Cal State, Fullerton, or Auburn. Realistically, they're looking at Clemson or Auburn. You're going to get a decent matchup in that second round for the University of Oklahoma. But now, all of a sudden, the other opportunities for matchups in that second round are greatly increased of adding Alabama, Duke, and LSU. Dollars? You remember Mark Mangino? Dollar signs. That's right, dollar signs. I mean, that that's what this is. And again, not a complaint. I mean, I, I, I honestly, as a fan, truthfully, as a fan, I'd rather have a stronger competition for this regional. I, I, I would rather it be Missouri and Cal than Middle Tennessee State and Long Island. Honestly, 100% as a fan, that's what I want. I want good games. I want good competition. But if you're asking why, 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 why are there three Patsy regional schedules out there for teams that aren't the number one overall seed, that's the reason why, right there. That's the dollar signs. That's what drives this industry. And I'm okay with it. Because I think it's going to set up for a, not only a fun first round, a fun super region round, and maybe put some names into Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series that otherwise wouldn't be there. I mean, Central Arkansas, I hate to keep jumping back to that, but if Central Arkansas upsets Alabama and wins that regional, that puts them two wins away from Oklahoma City. And there's your Cinderella story. All right, true or false coming up. It's still heavily dominated by the uh, by the NCAA softball tournament, but there are a couple of football questions in there that we'll go over. Okay, I may have inadvertently lied to you. I, when I'm looking at the true or false questions here, um, there are actually three. Three are regarding football. Two, Only two are regarding softball. 
Um, and so I said it would be softball heavy. Apparently that's not true. Football always, always, always pays the bills. Um, Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I, I say it all the time. I truly mean it. Um, it's a, it's a labor of love. Um, so if you're following, if you're subscribing, if you're giving us a, a good rating, uh, we, we thank you for that. If you checked it out and it's not for you, uh, we thank you for checking it out. Um, if you participate uh, by giving us your true or false questions, uh, we really, really do appreciate that. There's a couple of ways you can do it. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland uh, on Twitter, or you can uh, email us heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. You can also find us on the website, heartland-sports.com. And, um, and you can always drop comments, questions, suggestions, all that stuff right there. So here we go. Five, uh, five true or false questions. You guys send them in. I tell you whether they're true or false and why I think that way. First one comes from Jason. Jason says, uh, with OU, um, no, OV, sorry, sorry, I had a hard time reading it. With OV season starting, we can expect a break in commitments. Um, I think here's what OV stands for official visit, right, Jason? So I think what Jason is saying here is with official visit season starting, we can expect a break in, in Oklahoma receiving verbal commitments for the 2024 class. Um, I don't know that that's true. Um, I, I don't know that that's true be, because of this, Jason. I think Oklahoma is going to get a commitment on Saturday. And so if I say it's true, uh, that means Sims is probably heading to Michigan State. I don't think that's the case. I think Sims is coming to the University of Oklahoma. And so, therefore, there's no break. And the Sooners have six. This class has six commitments right now. And, and it is true. Most of the kids who wait this far into the summer, they don't commit until August. Because they they, they're going to use the summer. They're going to do camps. They're going to do visits. They're going to do all those things. And then some of them are going to say, I want to I have this done uh, so I can focus on my final season of, of, of high school football. And then some of them are going to run this thing all the way through to December um, and that early signing period. And then beyond that, and I think a guy like David Stone, right? David Stone's not going to make a decision this summer. He's not. Uh, he's, he's living the high life. He's having, he's having a good time. Um, I think if I was placing money on it at the end of the day, I would put David stone as being a member of this 2024 class for Oklahoma, but not until December. Um, but I think a guy like, like Jadavian Sims, I, I think he's going to make his commitment. It, it looks like it's down between Michigan state and Oklahoma. We'll know on Saturday, but I think he's going to be a sooner. All that said, Jason, I, I agree that it, there, there's a slow period that's about to happen. That's, that's, I mean, that's just, it's naturally there. There's even a dead period coming up. But I don't think there's going to be a break just yet in Oklahoma receiving verbal commitments. I think they're going to go into that official visit season, as you say it. Um, I think they're going to go into that with seven commitments. And that's pretty good. Um, and, you know, then, then in June, July, you're going to hit, you're probably going to hit a lull. And then August, September, those commitments are going to start ramping back up. But I think they're going to go into that phase at seven. Um, and so technically, I can't say there's going to be a break because I think Sims is going to commit to OU on Saturday. So there's at least one more coming. And then maybe after that, but we'll see what it is. Uh, Bruce says this. Here's number two. 
Bruce says offensive line needs depth. Uh, short and sweet, Bruce, to the point and true. I agree. Uh, but but they're also getting it. Okay, D- don't don't lose sight of what's happening. We saw the spring game, and that was a skeleton crew of an offensive line. You got guys like Walter Rouse, who was uh, came through the transfer portal, not available. You had other guys not available, and you you basically saw in in a lot of ways you saw a scout team offensive line. Now, there, there are three guys that are going to be added to this roster from 2022 to 2023. Three guys that come through the portal, four guys who come to the prep level. Some of those guys are on campus, but some of those guys are on campus and not available. Now, they just added the kid from Appalachian State. Um, you got a couple more coming in for summer workouts from the prep level. So you're adding seven bodies technically to what we saw in the Cheez-It Bowl to what we're going to see uh, when this team rolls out in September. Seven new bodies. And so I, I agree, Bruce. I agree that they need depth. But I would even say even more than that, what they need is health. They need to be healthy because one of my things I wanted to see coming out of spring ball was that I wanted to see five guys who dominated. And we didn't see that because there aren't five dominant guys healthy at this point. I do believe there are five dominant offensive linemen on this roster. I don't believe there are five healthy dominant offensive linemen on this roster. And that's what you got to get to. So while I agree with you wholeheartedly, Bruce, this one is true. Uh, The answer may be there, not in terms of adding to the roster anymore. It may be there in terms of just getting guys healthy. So there you have it. Uh, switching over to softball, um, this is from Aaron. Uh, true or false, if OU doesn't win the Women's College World Series, then this season is a bust. Wow, what a loaded question. Um, and Aaron, I think it's true. I mean, as big as I am on this team, as much as I've loved covering this team, and 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 I, I love what Patty Gasso does, I love what Patty Gasso stands for, I love the person that she is, and the coach that she is, and the team that she produces, when you go into this tournament uh, with a ridiculous 51-1 record on a 43-game winning streak, if you don't win at all, yeah, I mean, you're, it's disappointment, it is major disappointment, and, and I think... I think the most the most disappointed people, obviously, if they don't win this thing, are going to be these these ladies on the team. But you add like you add Haley Lee, who was the Big 12 tournament MVP. You add Alex Taraco, who was robbed on being an All Conference selection uh, first team. You you add Sydney Sanders. You add all the pieces you need, and you make a team that was even more dominant than the last two teams who won national titles. Yeah, they've got to win it. At this point, you're in it too deep. You're 51 and one. You're the heavy favorite. We just spent a few minutes talking about how ESPN may be manipulating matchups to make this tournament interesting. You got to win it. If you don't win it, yeah, it's disappointment. It's a bust. Uh, you get the Big 12 championship, great. You get the regular season and postseason. You got the Big 12 player of the year. You got the pitcher of the year. You got the coach of the year. You got the defensive player of the year. You've got all of that. By the way, how are none of you guys sending me a true or false statement on on the Big 12 having two coaches of the year? How is that not even a thing? How did y'all miss that on true or false? Anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think that's that's where we are, Aaron. I I, I hate to sound that petty, uh, but the expectation is too high for this team not to win the national championship. Um, here we go, Kara. Kara says Mike White is a fraud. <laughs> I don't know how many um, 
I don't know how many Mike White rants I have left in me, to be honest with you. I don't. Um, I, I, if, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not a fan of Mike White. And it's not just a Texas thing. When I covered the World the Women's College World Series way back in the day when he was still at Oregon, he didn't leave a good impression on me then. But that said, he's a decent coach. Um, I think he's a guy who's probably a better recruiter than he is a coach. The, the problem is this with Mike White. And I've said that this is nothing new. The problem with Mike White is that he was brought to Texas to get Texas back in the forefront of Big 12 softball. And he's not been able to do that. Now, I, I give him credit because because they, they surpassed Oklahoma State this year. They kind of caught Oklahoma State last year in 2022. They passed Oklahoma State in 2023. Regardless of how, I've already said this earlier in the podcast, regardless of how these national seedings came out, Texas is the number two program in the Big 12. That, that's where they are. They, they swept Oklahoma State. They finished number two in the regular season. They were the runner-up in the Big 12 tur- tournament. But that's not what Texas hired Mike White to do. Texas hired Mike White not to compete with Patty Gasso, but to beat Patty Gasso. And he's not been able to do it. And then he's made a clown of himself in the process. because, And those are all signs of pressure. When he said what he said by, during the regular season um, series, when he said that about, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, how Patty Gasso's cheating or whatever, how she's getting his girls out of the tournament, and then he doubled down in his apology. Those are all things that show that there's pressure on Mike White. But he hasn't done anything at Texas that he didn't do at Oregon. He hasn't, he hasn't taken this program forward. He's made it to the World Series. He made it to the Championship Series last year. But every single time Texas has a chance to elevate to a top position, there's Oklahoma knocking him back down. Happened in the regular season this year. Happened in the postseason Big 12 tournament this year. Happened in the World Series last year. Mike White can't get past Patty Gasso. And so I don't know that I'm going to call him a fraud, um, Kara. I think it's kind of funny because, again, I'm not a fan. But I don't know that I'm going to call him a fraud. I am going to say, to this point... He has not produced what the University of Texas paid him a truckload of money to produce. And I'll even say this. If they if they lose to Texas A&M at this regional, if Texas A&M comes into Austin and takes that regional from Texas, there will be people calling for Mike White's job. Not that they're going to get what they want, but there will be people calling for his job. All right, last but not least, here's Cody. Cody says this, true or false, the road trip to Provo is the most dangerous trip on the 2023 football schedule. Wow. Um, Okay, let's think about this. You're going to play in Tulsa. You're going to play at Cincinnati. That's not going to be easy. Um, You're going to play in Lawrence, Kansas. You're going to play in Stillwater. And then you're going to end the season in Provo. Um, Man. Cody, I, I do think I do think um, 
when I say end the season, I mean end the season on your, on your final road trip. Obviously, the season ends with TCU the day after Thanksgiving. But here's the thing, Cody. When, when I'm looking at this schedule, I, I think by the time by the time November 18th rolls around and Oklahoma goes to Provo, Utah to play BYU. I think we're the, they're going to know. They're they're either going to have yeah we're playing for something here in terms of a Big 12 championship in terms of a, a potential college playoff berth, or they're like man we're just still in year two of this rebuild. We're a little bit better than we were last year, but we're not there yet. That's probably going to determine the validity of that road trip, how dangerous it is, and and to get to that point, you got to get through November 1st, which is the trip to Stillwater. To me, I think if I were here's if I were to rank, if I were to rank the Big 12 road trips, it would be in this order: the most difficult to least difficult. I think I'm going to have the trip to Stillwater at number one, the trip to Cincinnati number two, then then BYU and Kansas last. And maybe you can interchange Cincinnati and BYU. Maybe you can. But I just I don't I don't know that that's the most dangerous trip on the 2023 schedule. I really don't. That I think the trip to Stillwater probably to me Cincinnati and Stillwater definitely I'm I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Cincinnati and Stillwater definitely rank ahead of of the trip to Provo, Utah to play BYU. So that's it. That's it. That's what I got. All right, we're going to uh, maybe preview the um um, man, see, I, I don't know because you got a, you got a commitment coming in on Saturday, but also Saturday we'll be in the thick of the Norman regional. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have another podcast soon. Um, I just don't know if we'll have it before the Norman regional since today's Monday and that regional starts on Friday and you got a big commitment potentially coming on Saturday. May you may have to wait a week <laughs> to get another podcast, but hey, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Uh, again, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Find us on the internet Heartland-Sports.com. Have a great week, everybody.